This is a Federal News Network podcast. When it comes to full digitization, much less productive use of artificial intelligence, the government has a ways to go. Longtime software entrepreneur Tom Siebel has some ideas on these topics, and he joins me now in studio. Mr. Siebel, good to have you in. Good morning. Let's talk about digital government. That's a common phrase. The government uses it about itself quite a bit. What's your definition of it, of full digital? And then we'll get into how close the federal government actually is to that. Well, I think the concept of digital transformation is changing commerce, it's changing industry, it's changing social media, and it will change government. And I believe digital transformation is about the application of a new generation of information technology that we're seeing in the 21st century where we have four vectors, and these include elastic cloud computing, big data, the Internet of Things, and artificial intelligence. And at the convergence of these technologies, we find digital transformation, which changes everything about the way we serve constituents, operate the government, provide services, what have you. Where is the government on that spectrum from full digital to I mean, it has lots of operational requirements, and it also has lots of giving out money requirements. And so uh, very much of what it does is is in the analog world. Well, I think uh, digital transformation is a relatively embryonic concept, both in commerce and in government. So I think this is something that is uh, expected to grow at a very, very rapid rate. We've seen the information technology business grow from, say, $50 billion worldwide in 1980 to $3.5 trillion today, and it'll be $8.5 trillion in five years, much of the, this acceleration of growth being about artificial intelligence and AI. So I think the cell is divided maybe four times, and by the time it's done, it is going to change everything about the way that we operate enterprises and everything about the way we operate governments and everything about the way we serve constituents. It seems like you have to have some degree of organizational maturity to get to that point and a guiding light or, or a goal that is shared across the enterprise. Does the federal government really have that from what you've seen? Oh, I think when we get into uh, particularly the Defense Department, the Secretary of the Army, the Secretary of the Air Force, uh, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I think these people are very switched on, okay, and they understand the importance of te these technologies. They are driving these technologies. Uh, they're applying them to logistics, to AI-based predictive maintenance, to be able to um, uh, to provide kind of AI-assisted warfighters, um, AI-assisted uh, aircraft in the case of A the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. So I think in the Pentagon we're seeing some very advanced thinking by some uh, very bright warrior scholars um, who are um, really at the leading edge of what's going on in AI and digital transformation. Because in the civilian side, they talk about it in terms of better constituent service. And, you know, you have to contact Medicare, for example, to tell them that you're getting to be 65 years old when the government already knows that. And so, you know, why do you have to go through all that process? That's an example of something that could be digitized with big data and so on. These processes will be digitized, you know, as it relates to whether it's precision agriculture in the Department of Agriculture or whether it's precision medicine in health and human services, uh, as it relates to disease uh, prediction, disease prevention, um, genome-specific medical protocols. All this will happen. It just hasn't quite happened yet, and I don't think they're 
they're really behind the times. It, it's just a, this is inevitable. But you've also said that this transformation could not only help cost savings and operational aspects of the government, even, as you say, you know, fraud reduction and more efficient spending, but also affecting the geopolitical power balance. And I haven't heard anyone in government, at least outside of the military, clearly they have a different case. But explain how that how AI and how digitization could affect the geopolitical balance. I'm not an expert in this space, but from my uh, reading and study and interacting with people, and uh, and I guess maybe I am an expert in information technology. I believe that you know, one of the you know the next fronts on which we're fighting warfare is in cyberspace, and we I believe that we are at war today with China, and it's non-kinetic, uh, and they are investing you know tens of billions of dollars in advancing AI for. Um, for the purposes of, you know, engaging in warfare and cyber war. And they are engaged in cyber war today. They are, I mean, we read in, in, in you know, we hear on your news network and we read in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times about the Russians and the Chinese peppering our power grid infrastructures with malware and viruses so they can literally turn off the grid. They are, they are peppering our you know, financial services infrastructure with viruses and malware so they can turn off the financial services network. Uh, they have penetrated the Office of Personnel Management and I think stolen order of, you know, tens of millions of personnel records, including the personnel records of the United States government for everybody who has applied for or been considered for a security clearance. If this is not warfare, what is it? We're speaking with Tom Siebel, software entrepreneur and now author of a new book called Digital Transformation. And let's talk about the DOD side that you mentioned earlier. They seem to be, as you say, hell-bent on getting this, synthesizing these four big technologies, cloud, big data, data analytics, artificial intelligence that you mentioned. And they also have strategic and operational requirements. And let's talk about some of the operational requirements because I think your new company is actually helping in some of those. I think we have some very uh, switched on leaders, you know, in the persons of the Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, the former Secretary of the Air Force, Heather Wilson, uh, General Murray at the Army Futures Command. And these people are applying AI today in very advanced uh, systems, for example, readiness and increasing the, the United States Air Force, I think, is perhaps, you know, the most lethal uh, collection of capabilities, you know, developed in the history of mankind. I believe they have 4,600 aircraft and they're using AI-based predictive maintenance to increase aircraft availability on any given day from order of 50% to 80%. Hey, if you're Secretary of Defense, this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, and has big financial benefit, which ultimately you have to pay for all of these capabilities. And it's, if 50% of them are dormant, you're not getting much. It's staggering. I mean, when you're looking at you know, an F-35 joint strike fighter at order of, I think, $100 million a copy, the idea that this is operative rather than non-operative is pretty significant. And on the strategy front, the geopolitical balance game, and now this doctrine has switched to great powers competition, at least in the eyes of military leadership – and as you say, China is also, as is well known, investing heavily in AI and perhaps Russia is too because they're not technological slouches in Russia either. How then does one 
maintain a strategic advantage when everybody has the same tools and one side is robbing you underneath the table of everything you develop. Well, Vladimir Putin said in 2017 uh, that whoever wins the war in AI dominates the world. I believe that's true, and it will not be Russia. It will either be China or the United States. And I think fundamentally we have a uh, – you know, this is going to be the ultimate test of two diametrically opposed political philosophies. Where in the case of China, we have a totalitarian, top-down, command-and-control state – where at the NRDC, they are mandating tens of billions of dollars investment in, uh, in AI for warfare. Now, in the United States, we're using a much more messy process because this is a messy place where we have a free market economy and, and a capitalist system. So these innovations take place in – rather than being mandated by the government, they take place in garages in Palo Alto and storefronts in the Bronx – and I think this will be the ultimate test of these political philosophies, and I can assure you this is a war that we do not want to lose. It's almost, in a sense, parallel to the moon race, where two competing systems, very different after the same goal, but we managed to get there first. The moon race, the Manhattan Project, uh, the D-Day invasion, I think they're all in the same category. But and, somehow, you know, the Americans, you know, have the ability, when people count them down and out, to like, you know, suck it up, get it together and make it happen. So I'll be surprised if it doesn't happen again. And a final question on the federal workforce and the contractor workforce. Do we have systems and, I guess, societal channels such that the workforce necessary to take on this challenge is being developed? Uh, there, There is no question that we will be making massive investments in private enterprise and in the public sector to educate the existing workforce to be able to – uh, provide to be able to thrive, to be able to provide the services that are necessary in this new uh, 21st century digital economy. Tom Siebel is a software entrepreneur. His most recent company focuses on artificial intelligence. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with links to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.